0: Since He Reformed, I'm Pastor Brandon and joined with Pastor Zach. We're pastors at Westside Reformed Church, a URC congregation in Cincinnati, Ohio, and today we wanted to talk about Fighting lust, the sin of lust. We we've spoken about some of the big sins that plague us. We've spoken about fighting anger. We've spoken about fighting pride. And now, kind of rounding out, like the big three. You know, if you think of in terms of sin, now fighting fighting lust, and how do we how do we think about about that lust? And um, you know, there's a few big pillars in in the Bible. You know, as the Bible describes. Uh, lust, I think the most basic thing to say about it is it is a sin, and it's something that we are bid to repent of, to flee from. Uh, A few biblical texts to kind of maybe orient us to the sin of lust. Uh, One would be Proverbs chapter 6, verses 23 to 25. For the commandment is a lamp and a teaching and a light, and the reproofs of discipline are the way of life to preserve you from the evil woman, from the smooth tongue of the adulteress. Do not lust after her beauty in your heart, and do not let her capture you with her eyelashes. So, you know, this this proverb as Solomon is writing to his son and uh, giving this, this, this great wisdom of fighting lust, acknowledging, hey, it's probably going to be there, there's going to be some temptation here, don't pursue it. Uh, there's, there's warning here, and if you continue and you're reading Proverbs 5, 6, and 7, uh, you know, he's going to warn that it leads to death, and it leads to Sheol, and we don't want to go there. Matthew chapter 5, verse 28, Jesus said, But I say to you that everyone who looks at a woman with lustful intent has already committed adultery with her in his heart. And so it, adultery is not merely like, well, I haven't actively cheated on my wife so I must be totally innocent of the seventh commandment Jesus is saying no you've broken the seventh commandment even if it's been a even if it, if it's been a adultery of, of of the heart of looking with lustful intent you're guilty of breaking the seventh commandment uh, one more uh, even though there's there's plenty in scripture but one more from first Thessalonians chapter 4 verses 3 through 5. For this is the will of God, your sanctification, that you abstain from sexual immorality, that each one of you know how to control his own body in holiness and honor, not in the passions of lust like the Gentiles who do not know God. So here he's making that distinction of like the Gentiles are those people outside of Christ, He's talking about the un, the the unsaved Gentiles who are just kind of led by passions, led by lust, doing whatever they whatever they want. You know, you go into these pagan lands back in the day. There's brothels just kind of everywhere. And you can hop into a brothel, and there is cult prostitution and sexual morality everywhere, and people are led by just lust, almost like in an animalistic way. And he's saying, but. We need to be sanctified, controlling our bodies, living for God. Um, Paul says elsewhere there shouldn't be a hint of sexual immorality in the church. You know, We should be a place that wants to be appropriate and that... Uh, has a high view of marriage and therefore has a high view of the ma- marriage bed and therefore has a high view of the proper role of sex and not the improper role of sex and also of sexual desires and lust and these things. So quite basically that first pillar that we talk about uh, it's its a sin that the Bible says flee from it don't give in to it, repent of it if you do it.
1: Yeah I think that um before we move on to the the next pillar, one thing that I was struck by recently as I was reading the Proverbs is that, as Brandon was saying, the Proverbs are definitely addressing uh, adultery and lust and warning against that. I think that one of the interesting things that's happening there is that it's also um, that, that temptation of the adulteress is also functioning as a metaphor for all sorts of temptation. In other words... That's how powerful the um, that's, how, that's how powerful like sexual um, temptation is that it can then be used to describe all sorts of temptation. It's like that. Mm-hmm. And so as you're you know drawn tempted by something else with the other commandments like theft or anger, it, it can be portrayed for you like the adulterous woman like the, the woman who's luring you into her bedchamber in order to kill you. Um, that's the way that's how Solomon picks up that um, that dame folly uh, and utilizes her and it, so I think what we're thinking about here the, the point of this is to say that that's how powerful lust is and I think that whether you are a man or a woman uh, you probably experienced this within our you know age that's filled with uh, pornography on the internet on almost on billboards to some degree uh, advertisements that on just a mundane website can be verging on things. We, we we see this all around us, and so why why is uh, why are these things all over? Because sex sells, because it's that powerful. Uh, just like Solomon was warning us of how powerful it is, and so we um, certainly need to recognize this and uh, to, to recognize. Then that the, the second pillar, then to come to, is that it comes from our heart. And so it's not just out there as something that's outside of us trying to lure us powerfully, but then there's also that power that comes from our heart. Now, we were created as um, uh, sexual creatures, uh, given the longings that rightly ordered are directed then toward our spouse because God is creating us for that longing to be with him in eternity and in glory. And so our sexual longings are there to uh, give us an idea of what it is like when we have that intimate communion with Christ eternally uh, as we enter into his um, heavenly uh, home, his heavenly bedchamber, you can call it, as his bride. But the problem is that when we then become fallen creatures, then our affections become disordered. And then all of a sudden, this thing that's so powerfully part of us then it starts to draw us elsewhere. So it's not just that the lust is outside of us and tempting us, but it's also coming from within as we have these uh, wrongly ordered affections. We hear this from Jesus in uh, Mark chapter seven, where he says, what comes out of a person is what defiles him. For from within, out of the heart of man, come evil thoughts, sexual immorality, Theft, murder, adultery, coveting, wickedness, deceit, sensuality, envy, slander, pride, foolishness. All these evil things come from within, and they defile a person. So, again, it's powerful, not just from outside of us, but also from inside of us. That's the second uh, pillar, is that lust comes from within our hearts
0: yeah a third a third pillar to think about you know as we're thinking about lust and scripture and what scripture says about it, not only that it's a sinful thing that we should flee from and repent of, not only that it's something that comes from within our hearts but also that uh we're often pointed uh as as a remedy as something to help us to fight it uh, to to marriage now, some people are given the gift of singleness, some are given the the providential gift of singleness, and then that is um, and that is appropriate, and that is good, and Paul even commends that as the person's able to focus on the things of the church in prayer, and in service, and in uh, meditation. And so uh, singleness is good, but marriage is often held out as something that's a good remedy for someone who burns with lust. Uh, and so, for example, in 1 Corinthians 7, 9, it says, but if they cannot exercise self-control, they should marry, for it is better to marry than to burn with passion. And uh, so here he's 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 saying singleness is great because if you can do it, then you can actually uh, focus on the church, and that would be a great thing. Uh, but he says, if you if you burn with lust, it's just better to get married. You should you should get married, um, and so. I think that that would, um, you know, that's one of those things that the Bible holds out. Uh, and I think it's, it's, it's helpful that, I think it's helpful to note that, you know, a person who burns with lust, they're not told, hey, go and pleasure yourself. Hey, go and, there's no, no other avenue, it's biblical marriage is the remedy here for someone who is, is, is burning with passion. Uh, th- where it's going to become hurtful for them because they're burning to s- such a degree that they're having a hard time controlling themselves and Paul I think is acknowledging that some there's times we have a hard time controlling for this situation it's helpful then to, to have that remedy that we might not just be in a, a, an, a state where we're just constantly burning in an unhelpful way any other thoughts on that or
1: no, I mean, I think maybe we want to jump back to the idea of our passions being rightly ordered or wrongly ordered by sin, yeah. I mean, to then be utilizing that sexual desire that's part of our natural state and to use it rightly, I mean, that's going to help become the remedy for using it wrongly. It doesn't, you know, perfectly get rid of it. So if you're struggling with lust prior to marriage, don't imagine just magically goes away with it. But that is one way of addressing it, though. Is to then have it channeled in the correct biblical way that God has given to us in creation, and so then that becomes one not just an outlet but something that you can kind of give yourself toward, and maybe that's uh, one you know practical step forward as we start thinking about practical solutions. That uh, you know if you are married and that this is um, uh, likely something that still uh, afflicts you, um, that you give you you channel that in that. Biblical direction toward your spouse, and that you you know cultivate the um, sexual love you have with your wife, your husband, and that you enjoy one another, and allow yourself to enjoy one another, uh, because that is the um, the the natural outlet that God has given us within this uh, this creation, and so to cultivate that I think is one you know kind of step forward. You know? mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I think that's helpful. Um, the Bible gives us things that we should avoid and things that we shouldn't do, and then those, those are helpful, and we should uh, we should meditate on those and think about those. But it also holds out to us kind of the ideal. And and we see like, for example, in the Song of Songs, uh, that's rightly ordered uh, passions for someone you're going to marry, and then when you finally do get married to them, what that should look like and how awesome that is. And so I think it is helpful Uh, a a way forward, helpful, not just to say, well, don't do this, don't do this, don't do this, but to say, well, what is it for? What should it look like? How should I do it? Um, What does the Bible say about it? How awesome is intimacy within marriage? And maybe I can channel that and give thanks to God for that great gift. And as you're enjoying um, intimacy with your spouse, you're giving thanks and saying, this is a gift from God that he's given to me. Not that I should covet all these others outside of, of, of the marriage bed but he's given my wife or my husband to me and it is uh, he or she is, is is a gift and we should I think um, yeah see it in the positive light but also I think it is helpful you know to to, to have those negatives of, of, of this is this is dangerous this will lead to hell this will lead to this will damage your soul. Um, I think it's helpful, for example, to memorize like Proverbs seven. Proverbs seven has you know talks about your soul being hacked, you know, I, like an ox. I don't know if you if you've ever seen um, an, an ox getting slaughtered in a third world country, but it's really gruesome. Like it's like machetes God, and it's <laughs> it's gruesome. But it's interesting, like that imagery then is used in yeah. Psalm seven. Like that's your soul. Getting hacked to death, like, like that ox with machetes, <laughs> and it's—it's it's like this vivid imagery. It's like, wow, that's that's really, really intense. But you know, it, it's helpful too. You know, it's helpful to have that. And like, wow, I, I want to avoid that. I don't want to go down to Sheol. I don't want my soul to be hacked um I, I want what 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 uh, what God has commended and, and and the great ideals and there's I think there's helpful practical ways that we can maybe um, help avoid lust you know for example if uh if, if you're just prone to lust as you uh, go throughout your day or see various things you know it's helpful to, to say things in your mind like if you see a, an attractive woman or an attractive guy if you're a lady um, you know, you're, you're thinking that's a son or a daughter you know that's kind of like, kind of like the um, uh, the CS Lewis you know sons of Adam daughters of Eve you know as you see someone there, there's a daughter of Eve and it kind of puts things into context for you you don't objectify the person. But you're saying no, that's that, that's a daughter of Eve. And we, we need to, to, to protect her. We want to we want to see her flourish as God would have her flourish, not to be violated, not to be discarded, not to be objectified, but she is a special daughter of Eve or a daughter a, 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 a sister in Christ if if the person's a Christian. Now, we don't want to, to violate or, or demean a sister of Christ or a brother of Christ. We want to see them flourish in the way that God would have them flourish, and so there's like mental things that you can maybe do to to kind of help ward, uh, kind of ward off of, of kind of going in a bad direction with your
1: thoughts. Um, anything else that you can think of, just practical ways that we yeah. could avoid lust. I mean, I think it's probably obvious, but still is worth saying that you know, software on your computer is uh, is important and good and that's you know there people can do workarounds i'm sure but those are some steps that can be taken and if you're Mm -hmm. a parent and you have a wi-fi system get that thing secured by somebody who knows how to do that so your children are protected from that from young ages because a lot of people who are um, in bondage to that later in life were first exposed to that very early on Mm -hmm. and as as parents or as people who might be have um, some kind of a, a Wi-Fi connection, just to be very responsible with that and to think about how can we protect those under our care and use our strength for the um, the well-being and the, the health and flourishing of others. So I think that that's uh, something um, as well to consider. Those kinds of, you know, the, the source of a lot of this is coming from online, um, uh, online uh, re- places. So I think that we need to be on top of that and recognize this is a huge um, pandemic within uh, the entire world, including the churches. And so we don't do anybody any favors by um, looking the other way, acting like it's not an issue, but really it is a severe um, issue that is uh, leading people astray and leading people, as you mentioned, Brandon, according to Proverbs, to have their soul hacked to bits and descend into Sheol. And so we don't uh, do anybody any favors by um, just winking at it or acting like it's not such an issue when it really is um, a great one.
0: Yeah, and and also I guess another practical thing, you know, as I reflect on uh, people that I've counseled in the past, you know, I, I think one of the helpful things that people have realized is maybe uh, you know small victories can become big ones. It's it's hard sometimes if you're if you're so captivated in this to 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 think about we well, just stopping uh, forever. Uh, and it can be it can be a daunting task for some people who are really entangled by this sin, and but to, but to set smaller goals, maybe this whole week you don't look at pornography. And, and let's go a week without, without doing this. and now now let's make it two weeks and and having these milestones of really trying to get out because there's some people who have dug themselves in such a ditch with this with this uh, being on their computer or what whatever that it can be a struggle to kind of go back up that spiral staircase that you fell down. Um, but yeah, just do it step at a time um, and uh, be, being mindful. Having somebody to help you to be accountable—that there's somebody that you could trust, a pastor, a friend who's mature that you can share uh, your thoughts, even your failings with, and who could pray for you and um, minister to you when you're when you're tempted—I think that would be a, a helpful thing as well. Uh, so, Zach, you know, this is a, a, a sin that uh, Jesus basically says everybody has has failed. Everybody has committed, has violated the, the Seventh commandments. So everybody has lusted and done so in a
1: sinful way. How does Christ comfort us in the gospel? I mean, he changes our identity, doesn't he? We come to him as those who are, uh, by nature, adulterers, murderers, We are those who come to him as defiled from our own hearts and in our actions. And yet, what does Christ do? He brings us the forgiveness of our sins, the washing with the Holy Spirit. He uh, sets us apart to become holy to him. And he empowers us by the Spirit to begin to lead new lives. And he reshapes exactly who we are from being a, a fallen son of Adam to becoming a child of God and so as we begin to think about our own identity you know such were some of you uh, but you've been washed you've been sanctified you've been justified in the name of our lord jesus christ and so we are no longer named by our sins we might struggle with sin and we will until our dying breath but we're never named by them because those sins have been nailed to the cross of jesus christ if he's done something so remarkable for us and he has granted us of his holy spirit then we are called then to strive after that glorious holiness and that glorious fellowship that we have in our savior jesus christ to have intimacy with him um, in the new creation and to have intimacy as appropriate then here in this creation because god has poured out his amazing grace upon us yeah. for the thoughts i think that's perfect all right well we hope this has been helpful for you Uh, May the Lord grant you uh, his um, Holy Spirit to empower you to uh, flee from sin and to flee instead toward righteousness. And we pray this uh, is one small tool um, that he might use in that respect. Um, Do check out our other episodes and share them, especially if this has been helpful for you. Uh, Check us out at Sincereform.org. Check out our church, WestsideReform.org. We thank you for joining us this week, and we look forward to uh, your joining us next week again. On behalf of Brandon, I'm Zach. Thanks. Bye-bye.